Welcome to the Project In Between podcast, an open and safe place where we are sharing stories of healing from emotional and stressful events. After any form of emotional trauma, there is an in-between phase, a healing phase. The in-between phase, this is where uncertainty meets growth and renewal. We all heal from these situations at different rates. What matters is the stories we resonate with, the lessons we have gained, and the experience that has made us a better person. So today we have Trent Dolman, a registered acupuncturist and business owner of Balance to You, a holistic health hub that I personally attend and love. It's saved me. Um, Trent, Thanks, is, <laughs> Trent is passionate about all things health and mental health. And so today, welcome and thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your childhood. Um, give us a bit of a background about yourself and, um, yeah, we'll go from there. So, uh, uh, so my childhood was actually fantastic. I had a really good upbringing. Um, so so this, this is, I guess, a little stickler for me with my mental health journey is I don't have any, any bad stories as a kid. So I grew up with two great parents. Um, my parents were in the army. So I was a little army brat. I was born in a little town called Toowoomba. Um, and then um, before you know it, we're off to Western Australia where it's actually where my dad grew up. Um, so we're near um, his family over there. So that family over there has five uncles and aunties and about 14 cousins. So it's really great. We get to go out to the orchard, hang out with my granddad, pick fresh fruit, all those sort of things. Uh, and then dad transferred to South Australia. I was there for a couple of years. And then uh, when he exited the military, so he was in for just under 15 years, we went to back to Brisbane. So I came to Brisbane when I was just turned six and uh, stayed there ever since. It sucked me in. Um, grew up uh, sort of like never wanting. Um, we were always in sports so we did like little athletics as kids i've got uh two sisters one's uh four years older and one's three years younger um so little athletics tennis swimming um i played the saxophone a lot of the things i did my parents did for my asthma so i had pretty bad asthma as a kid and still comes back occasionally now so the swimming was for breathing and the saxophone was for breathing and of course being a kid i rebelled against anything my parents wanted me to do um so i quickly uh quit the saxophone as soon as i can which i do regret to this day it still sits in my cupboard at home so you never know um and and i used to even to the point with swimming is i'll get dropped off for my squad training so that's like um when you start competing i'll go jump the back fence of the swimming pool, hide in the playground, come back, wet my hair and pretend I've been doing training all morning when I got picked up. So <laughs> you little um, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, but but we, you know, like I, I played tennis and I played a lot of tennis. Um Chris, uh, my business partner, we used to actually play tennis together, went to school together. Um, so probably from grade, well, I would have been grade five, four until probably grade 11, I played tennis. And towards the end, I was playing like two fixtures a week, um, private training, squad training. And my parents would always drive me, always pick me up. And they always made time, even while they had their own business that they had to run. So I was super lucky. Um, uh, you know, I was never severely punished. I was never beaten. Uh, we're never hungry. Um, uh, our parents always, like if we were going to a party, our parents would always pick us up. Uh, they always looked after us. So yeah, no, I, I had a good upbringing. Like there's the usual things where we all get that bit of bullying at school and, yeah. you know, for different reasons. Like I was probably a little bit chubby, grade eight, grade nine, grade 10, but that sort of comes with, I guess, your family owning bakeries and you're eating all the bakery food. So <laughs> that's okay. That's, it's a, it's a life lesson there. Yeah. Um, 
but I always had a good circle of friends too. So I had a small circle of friends probably um, before grade 11. Um, and then I always had, I was always had like a good group of female friends too, which I think comes with the territory of having sisters. Mm. Um, and to be fair, they're a lot easier to hang out with and get along with. Um, but uh, my guy friends were all nerds. So we used to go to the games workshop. You know what tabletop games are? No. So tabletop games is like a really complicated chess that you paint pieces. They're little statues. Right. So we used to do we used to do that. Um, some of them still do it. So it's like super nerdy, as nerdy as you can get. Um, Love nerds. Video games nerds are great. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the best time. Like our, our, yeah. our weekends were for a lot of time is everyone would bring their computer around my house, we'd go to Pizza Hut, all you can eat, come back and play video games till <laughs> two in the morning, and then we'd set up the lounge room for like WWE and would just beat the are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that, and we'll beat the shit out of each other all morning. So, and da- dad will come out in the middle of the night and say, what are you guys doing? And it's, it's two of us with a chair and just wrestling and having fun. So Aww, I was great. very, very fortunate um, for most of the parts um, of, yeah, my upbringing. I didn't really have a, a rough time, which was great. I think um, it's important to highlight that you don't have to have a, a rough childhood to experience any sort of like life challenges. And that's kind of like, what I love about this podcast is that I'm realizing that, you know, you, it's the wobbles are all different for everybody. They can be yeah. big and wobbles then a, and then they can be small wobbles, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, then I think there's also like a big guilt held with that. And it's, it's, it's taken me and, you know, sometimes you still feel a very long time um, where you feel guilty for having depression and anxiety because you see people that have gone through what you consider to be like a genuine experience that creates that event. Um, and then, you know, I don't have a chemical imbalance. My brain produces serotonin fine. Um, I just get really sad for no reason sometimes. And it's, uh, it, you know, and that's just how it works. I think it's actually, it's actually quite normal, you know, to get sad and, and to, for no reason, because we're humans and we've got human emotions and sometimes they just need to be expressed. <laughs> that's it. That's correct. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about your in-between story. I would love to hear it. Um, oh, oof, how far we want to go back? Uh, well, sorry <laughs> um, so with, with me, like the, the sad for no reason thing was always a, a, a part of it. Like, you know, we'll go out to events or go out to parties and, and all of a sudden I'll get hit with a wave or like a, a cloud, I'd call it, and just feel sad and sort of like um, exclude myself intentionally from situations. <laughs> Um, growing up, I would avoid going to things or I'd like not attend parties that I wanted to attend just because the anxiety behind them. Um, but I do it as an excuse that I didn't want to, like, so it's actively lying to myself. Um, that never really came to a head until later on. So, um, from the age of 17, uh, I worked full time. So my friends finished school and they went off to uni and things like that. I went and worked for my dad at his bakery and managed his bakery. Um, about a year and a bit after that, we partnered in a, a bakery together at Newmarket. Um, which about another 18 months later, I took over as my bakery, um, which I liked baking and I liked making things, but I didn't actually enjoy ever owning a bakery. It had great perks. I did make lots of money at the time, but you worked very hard. You were always working seven days a week. My phone was always ringing um, at the peak of uh, when I had bakeries, had three. Um, I was married, had uh, two kids, had three bakeries working seven days a week, uh, sometimes from 12 o'clock at night until four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so my intention with sort of, uh, work was that I'd work my ass off until I was 30. Uh, and then at 30, I was going to do the things I wanted to do because I've collected enough wealth and I've collected enough things 
to, to do that. So I existed for 12 years or probably shy of that, 11 years in this state of work and money will come. So when I was 23, 24, 25, money was really good. Uh, probably never earned that much money. Again, I had 60 staff at the biggest point of my bakery, which is just an absolute nightmare. Um, some of the greatest humans I've ever met, though, still friends with some of them now. Um, some of them work for me from the age of 14 to the 21. Oh, um, yeah, so it's nice. As you do make, you, there are always good things out of bad times. That's something that I definitely learned along the way. Um, probably when I got to about the age of, so about 27, 28, um, I'd already neglected like my physical health for quite a time. So exercise has always been a big part of my life. Um, ever since I was a kid, my dad would take me to the gym in the morning, mum take me for runs, all the sports that we played. But as we do, as we get turned to adults, excuse me, um, as we get to turn to adults, we trade things, right? So we trade time for time. So I started training work for weights, uh, sorry, uh, weights for work. And then I started training family time for work and my sort of life became work. Um, and the bakeries got really hardly hard hit um, when Coles did a mass renovation of all the bakeries across the state. Um, they spent about $3 million renovating. They moved where bread was located in their shops. So we, Baker's Delight was the bakeries I was at. Their position was to be at the entrance of shopping centers, which is the most expensive rent, but you get the most flow. When Coles changed their layout, they made it so intentionally the traffic wouldn't come past the shops anymore and go straight into their bread section. And when they exited, they didn't exit near your shop anymore. And it had a massive decline immediately, which is fine. That's business. That's their yeah, job, right? To make right. more money. It's not that's malicious. Right. It's just work. Yeah. Um, so this created conflict within me and my franchise where I am not someone that sort of sits there and speaks quietly. Um, the, the franchise didn't like me speaking out and it became I became the nail that was poking out the most. I created like a private network group for all franchises struggling to sort of stand up together and work on problems. This they didn't like as well. This was sort of like a, a rebel thing for them. <laughs> so so quickly I became a problem. Um, I was started a career in real estate to try and make more money for my family so the bakeries could support themselves through the hard time. Um, and the franchise uh, tried to sue me and breach me out of my businesses for trying to make more money. Um, and so my mental health was going really bad. Those days I was coming home and I was getting letters from uh, the franchise saying they're going to breach me $1,500 and terminate my contract if I don't quit my other things. So then I go to a lawyer and I send a lawyer's letter saying that you can't stop someone from working to live. <laughs> um, started reaching out, negotiating the franchise because they take 10% essentially of what you earn. And like, can we put this on hold for three months? It's called um, royalty relief. And um, they said, oh, just sell your car. Um, stop paying yourself. I'm like, okay, so sell my car, stop paying myself. Then what do we do? Um, the, the, you can't do that. Like, you know, you can't sell a lease car sort of thing. Um, so I no longer have anything to sort of cope with the way I coped subconsciously my whole life through through the exercise. I'm slightly overweight now, slightly out of unfit, doing shift work, which we know sleep step, like really important to mental state. I was distancing myself from my wife intentionally, distancing myself from my family intentionally. You know, um, real estate, I was going up to the office late at night time. I was coming home, taking the kids so because my wife was also working to, to daycare beforehand and going back to work and dealing with bakeries. Um, so I had my first big um, sort of mental health breakdown was probably about um, six months prior to my, my, my kaboom. Um, and that's when like I hurt myself and I came home and my wife we had a conversation and um, she contacted my family so my parents 
I don't remember a lot of these things too clearly because that's the way the brain works. But my parents came around and my little sister came around who I have quite a close relationship with. And this was the first time she knew about any of this. This is the first time my parents probably got, I got, I think they got that I was very stressed and what was happening because they'll, I saw my dad every single day, but I don't share, you don't share your, your feelings. You don't go, I'm sad, I'm stressed, I'm, I want to die, all these sort of things. Um, and they came around. So an exit plan for, um, I've sold a bakery, I've closed one and leaving the last one because it was just it's something I couldn't handle anymore. So we did that. Um, and then I went on to the real estate thing and, and you know, this, you know, you lose your cars, you lose your income. My house was lucky and protected. Guys, put your houses in a trust if you have a business because that saved me losing my houses. Wow. Um, yeah, so I got to keep them, which was fantastic. Um, really good. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure how I would have gone with that. Um, so I went on to work and I put, I put a lot into real estate. And I, I, I enjoyed the connection of helping people in, in real estate. I didn't enjoy the real estate agents part. The lying is what the stereotype says. There are good agents, there are really good agents out there, but you interact with so many people and it's so about themselves. And it sort of just my mental health kept on declining. I couldn't get over what I'd lost. I couldn't get over what I went through. And then it would have been, I think it's July. It was a Monday of July. I can't give you the day exactly. Um, I decided I was going to take my own life. Um, I left, left. I made videos for my kids. I apologized. I said sorry to um, my friends. Um, I wrote on the door, don't open. And I went to take my own life. Um, during this process, um, something happened. I don't, I don't know what it was. And I called my wife and I, I begged her to come home. And then I smashed my phone and she got there with my, my dad got there and she got there and they took me to a hospital. Uh, first the GP, then to the hospital. And I spent three nights in Royal Brisbane. Um, Royal Brisbane is definitely a place if you need to go and need to get help, go there. But it wasn't a place that I could have stayed in for long because it was very different. It was very um there's a lot of all sorts in there like it wasn't a place i was going to get the healing i needed um i was fortunate enough that i had private health and i went to tuong private hospital uh after about three nights um i spent 30 days in tuong private it was and still is the longest vacation i've ever had in my life um but it, it gave me why it probably caused undue stress to my family and of course like everything coming out to 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 them um changing the way my wife had to live her life she said to work and look after the kids and then come look at and check on me. Um, parents coming out and visit me all the time. My poor mum came out and visit me so much. I was asleep one night and she's sitting next to my bed. And then my old nurse comes in and he was fantastic. And he goes, Yvonne, and she goes, yes, yeah. she goes, sometimes boys just need a little bit of space from their mums. <laughs> and mum would have taken that to heart, but he his heart was in good places. She just wanted to be there for me. Yeah. Um, but Tuong Private was probably the first step um, of the journey for healing. Like it, it was because it, it just gave me space away from life, I guess. And I never would have made any changes or decisions in the way I was living my life if it didn't get there. Um, and I'm lucky I did because that's where I met my still see now my psychiatrist. Um, he's fantastic. So he was my medical supervisor of my rehab program. I got to exercise at the gym that was there every day. Um, they adjusted medication to be something that didn't have as many side effects um, for me because that was a big part of some of the medication I was on at the time uh, was there is side effects that you just don't want in your life, which makes you adverse to taking it. Because when I find GPs 
prescribes they just give you like zoloft they just mm. give you a, a one for no reason here try this go take this um so we spoke about that and we went on a different medication um and i was on that for about two and a half years maybe three years um and it definitely was it definitely helped especially helped when i left hospital mm. Um, so do you have any questions so far? Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm a massive, no, I'm a massive believer in, you know, those types of, I mean, medication is um, definitely needed in that particular time. You know, this, I don't think it's necessarily always meant to be forever for everybody, but I'm a big believer in, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a holistic kind of thing. But it sounds like to me, like you just completely burnt out, like you were working crazy fucking hours. <laughs> Yeah, the, the burnout was a big catalyst. Um, mm. And then also I didn't value myself and that mm. was a long thing. I had no value on myself as a person. I had value on what I offered as a person. So mm. a big thing for me is I only valued myself as like a provider. Yeah. If I couldn't provide, then what's the point? And, and like I use maths in everything in life. And so for me, it's like one plus one is two. And it's if you can't provide them, you're just taking. And that was the, the way my brain worked, especially at that time is that you offer no value in any way. So why are you here? Um, mm. You're sad all the time. You're a burden on everyone else. Um, so let's just not be here. And that's the unfortunate way that it sort of worked, um, which is a process you have to work through. And sometimes you still have those conversations. I think it's really important. Like I still sometimes have conversations like that with myself. It's you, I don't just magically be healed, um, yeah. but it's being more aware and communicating those things more. So coming out of... Um, to one private, um, I wasn't going to go back to real estate. I wasn't going to go back to baking. I wasn't going to go back to having staff, all those things. Um, I was fortunate enough. I did at the age of, I was fortunate enough at age 18, I took out um, income protection. So I'd had that for, I didn't even remember that I had that. I've had that for like 12 years at that point or 11 years. Problem is, is I never increased it from what I earned at the age of 18. So it was, <laughs> it's still great, but it was significantly less than what could service our family and service our life um, but it definitely made it so I could go back and study and it helped with that so um, the things that I chucked off in my head of doing because I wanted to live with purpose and I wanted to live with the things I want to do and I always had an inkling to help um, help was always saying I always want to be a firefighter my biggest thing was I was going to join the army and be an SAS soldier because protecting and serving the the army and my family um, so help was a big thing and then also when I was in hospital at the time, I decided I was also going to go vegan, uh, which, was, which was a big shock to everyone of my family and friends because I was the guy that would eat two steaks for dinner all the time or get Maccas three times a day. Um, it wasn't about health. It was just about ethics and living with the ethics of my life as much as I can was sort of how it came about. Um, so I chucked the idea of my wife that we, could, we moved to Germany and I'd be a role-playing gladiator in the Colosseum and she didn't like that. <laughs> Um, so there's like the last Colosseum out of Rome or whatever it is, is in this small town of Germany and they do reenactments and they pay you to us. And she's like, no, that's try again. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I decided I was going to, um, enroll at environmental science at, uh, UQ, um, or it was a uh, bachelor of health science, um, at Endeavor because acupuncture is something that helped me a lot when I was younger, specifically when I was um, playing tennis with my shoulders and RSI and things like that. And it worked. I, I tried all these other things and acupuncture worked and it's got the science to back it. Um, at the time, the reason I probably went with acupuncture over environmental science is because there's the fear of rejection. They offered me a return much quicker. There was a month delay. I didn't want to wait for that delay. <laughs> so I, I accepted it, but I'm glad I did because I met some great people and it was four years of uh, a full-time bachelor degree. Um, and it was long. It was a lot. 
Mm -hmm. um, but this was like the sort of the next step up in my recovery because a lot of people had been through not similar things, but different pivots in their life. Like there was an amazing human in my class that was an ex-heroin addict. Um, there was people that had been in domestic violence relationships. There's people that suffered endometriosis their whole life. Um, there was people that were trying to find just purpose. They had no purpose and they're trying to pursue that. Um, there was people that chose like corporate careers and realized that it was not right from like lawyers, there was pharmacists. Um, it's just a, a collection of people that just generally wanted to do something that made their life better so they can make other people's life better. Um, but I never realized how much commitment was in that degree. <laughs> so there's a lot of ebb and flows, especially in the first two years. Um, I had a couple of times where like I relapsed, not to the point of going back to hospital, but my medication had to be increased. Um, but it was at one point that I realized that medication is really important for people that have certain conditions, um, uh, certain triggers, uh, serotonin imbalances their brain functions different and and probably i would probably be on my bad days a lot better with it but i don't feel myself on it but i got put on double my dose at one point when i was in um uni i think it was about second years after i had like a i had a fight with my partner and i just didn't remember it and everything went bad and the fight was just because of me my when i'm when my depression's there i'm erratic and and you know you 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 sort of like uh you overthink everything when there's behaviors that don't exist. You, you think there's a, something behind things and it just makes you a little bit scattered. Um, and I remember making the decision that I didn't want to, to be dependent on something anymore is when we were walking through a shopping center and it's like you're walking behind yourself. You're not, you're not in yourself. Um, so this is sort of like second, third year of uni. I started exercising again. Um, so I started going to the gym again, which made a big difference. Started eating a little bit better. Uh, started socializing with friends a bit more and then um, just used uni as an opportunity just to grow as well. So we had like student clinic, which was lots of fun where we treat people. We have to do a thousand hours of um, student clinic before we graduate, um, which is a lot. Uh, and um, <laughs> That is a lot. <laughs> so, which is probably good when you're stabbing people for a job that yeah. <laughs> you do do a lot of work. Um, but it was, yeah, going through university sort of like it, it helped reinforce that my, one of my gifts is people um, and, and that, that was like fluent through all the different jobs and all the different things I've done is it's not the thing I did it's the people in the connection like it's just mm. it's easy for me to to pivot how I can talk to someone depending on who they are instead of mm -hmm. talking at them how I am um, not always like my kids I don't talk to them <laughs> how they are but uh, but um, and 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 so like it, it made it easy for me to sort of start my career so I opened up a mobile massage second year of uni and then I did my massage diploma at the same time I was studying the bachelor uh my third year of uni I opened up um a clinic up the road from where we are now down at Newmarket I don't know where if you know where uh, the chimney is the Newmarket chimney no, um that. so it's uh where old CrossFit and Sara Lee factory is sort of thing oh yeah big, big development there now but um so I opened up a clinic there a lady reached out to me on LinkedIn she's like Do you want to rent a space I'm like yep cool went there with a girl from that I just met at my um, college and we went down and went halves in the rent and um, started off there. And I just did two days a week while I was at uni and it was really good. Um, and then me and Chris, we've known each other for 25 years now, um, always chat every day and he didn't like his job. I'm like, let's do something together. I'm like, let's do, you do coaching, I'll do this. And um, we actually planned on doing this, I think it was halfway through 2019, but instead we opened, started 2018. Mm. So we opened up Balance Institute. I was in my last year of uni still. 
uh, had my, my coaching certification and my diploma of massage and dry needling certification, things like that. Um, and we opened up Balance to you together. Um, and the first year was quite hard because uh, I was full-time study. He was full-time work and we had to run a business together <sighs> in an industry that we haven't really worked in together before. Chris has been employed his whole life um, and I've had staff my whole life. Um, it was very different dynamic and lots of floating and drifting in the first year um the second year got a little bit better um and we built up business and then third year obviously we had covid uh, Bloody so COVID. That, was, that was that was a different thing but it was probably the end of the second year that i got into a a better place with my mental health overall mm. um my health was a lot better physically i had better habits and routines and i was more aware more open and I started realizing a lot of my clients in acupuncture come to me, not just for the acupuncture, they come to talk. Um, and this is where sort of my, the holistic coaching sort of more stepped in. Um, and like the male group coaching where I've run like little sample programs and things like that to build something that's going to be bigger down the future. Um, so that's sort of the real pivot point where it's like, well, my mission is not just to help people with their sports injuries and stress anymore. It's, it's more now to lean towards understanding mental health and, mm. and, because the journey actually keeps me accountable. Like I, I do that daily video of my mental, my, my head check-in yeah. and why it's, it's very tedious um, some days. <laughs> like I'm fine, but like, but it's, it's even the days I'm fine. Just sharing it means it's just that accountability to share. Yeah. Um, and since actually doing that, um, it's probably been the best my mental health's been in over a decade. Um, but like I said before, it's keeping on top of things. Last year was probably one of the hardest years as well. Um, I think there was a lot of triggers, a lot of like PTSD with the financial stuff going through, like with COVID that I didn't realize at the time. Um, so personally, I, like I struggled a lot the end of last year and the start mm. of this year. But then when I called myself out on it and publicly uh, disclosed it, um, it got a lot better because it's that once again, it's that sharing and talking where you no longer have to carry that yourself. Um, it sort of releases it. Um, it means that you don't have this big knot thing. I feel like it's um it's removing the mask, right? It's remove, yeah. removing that societal mask. And the one thing that I'm starting to, well, it's like the, this podcast for me especially has made me realise that everybody goes through struggles, you know, and I was just talking to my cousin about this just before. She said, because I said to her, I'm like, I'm honest and I'm open about everything. And, and I said, I just don't understand why people go around in life with this little mask pretending like they're okay when they're not. Yeah, you know, like yeah, and, and, we, and we we see it all we see it all the time. Like the mask thing with struggles, but then the mask thing with excuses that hold people in that struggle as well. Mm. And that's the hardest one because it's especially like like when you're a coach or as a coach, you want to help people. Mm. If people aren't honest with you, mm. you can't help them. Like I'll put it back to like when I was in real estate, there's this lovely couple that came to this house I was selling once, and they're walking through. And they were selling their house. And I'm like, I'm talking to them. Like, oh, I've been on the market for like six months. The guys doesn't come around. They're real rude. I'm like, okay, subjectively, that's probably how they feel. Objectively, they're probably really difficult to deal with because they're not honest. But we, mm. at the time, that doesn't collect in your head. I'm like, oh, cool, I'll come around and help you. We did an auction campaign. They told me that they needed for their health and all these other things over 650. And I was like, okay, that's, we, we can get that, um, but it's going to be hard. I'm like, your house sits around the low sixes on a good day sort of thing. It was just a, a quirky in-between sort of property, but it was it had benefits. And we ran this auction campaign and I got offers prior to auction for like 580, 590. And if they 
accepted into negotiation, we probably could have got close to low sixes. Anyway, it comes to auction day, we had five people register, but no one bid, which is super common, especially in Queensland. There's no urgency or reason to. And it sort of like broke their heart. They're like, oh, we're so embarrassed. I'm like, tell me why you're embarrassed. Like, My family and friends were here. I'm like, no, this is this is a common thing. This gives us a price point. We understand now how to sell your house. And like two days later, like, oh, Trent, we put it off for another house. We have to have it sold in, in a week or we can't sell it. I'm like, cool. If you don't think I'm doing a good job, up back then I probably should have challenged them all, but it's just me wanting to help someone. It's like, if you don't think I'm doing a good job, you can cancel your contract and you can have someone to sell it. Like, okay. I read into him a year later and I'm like, how'd you go with your house? Like, oh, you know, it was all this, all that health problems. I was like, okay. And I go, how'd you go? They go, oh, we sold them. Well, that's fantastic. I go, what you get? And they go, well, we got this offer for 540. And I was like, oh, you turned it down. They're like, no, no, we got it at 560. And I'm like, <sighs> and straight away, I just like, you, you did this to yourself. You weren't yeah. honest about what you could have taken and you could have walked away with 60 grand more, but you chose to be dishonest with me so I couldn't help you. Mm. And we get that in the coaching is where people say, I want ABC, but I don't want to do work for ABC and I'm going to complain when I don't get it. And it's really hard because it's why we get like gym hoppers, we call them. So we get people come for two to six weeks, but they do it because you speak to other coaches there and they're just jumping between gyms because mm. they go with the expectation that within two weeks, they're going to have a six pack and bench press 400 pounds. <laughs> um, but it just doesn't happen. It takes a very long time to make physical changes mm. and it takes a very long time to make habitual changes as well. So. It does. It um, Like I know I, I personally, like I used to be a gym hopper, like, but what I love about your gym and why I love coming is because it's the it's the community, it's the interaction, it's what I need personally, um, but it's also keeping me accountable for my own shit. Because <laughs> yeah. I know, and I know, and I said this to Chris the other day, I said I noticed that when I don't come, my mental health specifically starts to, de- de- to decline. And, um, yeah, like I think if you don't look after yourself uh, physically, then your mental health will start to decline, you know, like you do burn out. I mean, I nursed for 10 years and I severely burnt out and I was just like, oh, you know, but I didn't look after myself. I didn't go to the gym because I was too tired from shift working and being a mother and at the time I was married and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, like in this past year, I've literally made it my mission, like yourself, to look after myself in all ways and it's paying off. It's a good mission to have. It's um, I like to say that like because the world, I say exercise because it's it can be any form of exercise. Some yeah. people don't like a gym and that's fine. Um, people think of life here and then exercise is here, but mm. really it should be here because it's what we're designed to do. We're designed mm. to move. We we haven't existed for thousands of like <laughs> whatever people believe in. We haven't existed however they believe yeah. for whatever amount of time by not moving it's fundamental we we have muscles we have skeletal we have a mm. skeletal system that depends on load being on it to be dense to be strong enough to hold our body up mm. and you see in like health people get old and they get injured and they're like oh well it was me i go but you didn't walk for 40 years of your life so your mm. bone density just declined um it's life with exercise not life plus exercise is so important 100 percent. i'm a massive believer now in um the fact that you know, with the medical model of, of healing, it's it's a little bit broken, but a lot of it is more to do with self-responsibility. You know, be self-responsible, take ownership over your own life and realise that it's not just about taking medication. You've got to move yeah. your body. You've got to sleep well. Yeah. You've got to surround yourself with the right people, you know, like otherwise you're not going to 
continually heal. Yeah, and it's that honesty with ourselves too. I think so. Yeah. It's a big one. It's like, you know, we we tell ourselves that we're, we're like you talk about the shift work. I did I did the shift work for some people mm. say I still do shift work, but yeah. um, <laughs> but the shift work for for years and years and years. And it's like you, I when I was in a good place, probably for the first five years, I'd finish work, and no matter how I felt, I would go to the gym. So mm. it didn't matter what I was feeling. If and but it would just be I'd adapt the intensity or adapt what I'm doing for how I feel because I'm not going to go there wrecked and then ruin myself more because then I'll get sick and I'll sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's like you're saying about the nursing, like Mel at our gym, that's a big part of her keeping balance. She does so much shift work as a nurse mm. and she gets so mad about the nurses that she works with that they don't, they will go out drinking on the weekends yep. and, they'll, and they'll tell her that it's too expensive to train at the gym. She's like, you're just going to get older. You're just going to get sick. You're just going to get unhealthy. And, and that's where we all inevitably go if we're not accountable on the journey. Yeah, and nurses um, are historically, I was saying this to Chris the other day, nurses are historically, or empaths even, really quite bad at looking after themselves because they're so used to looking after everybody else and and then, you know, and then you end up like me and you're like two years ago, suppose 2018 was when I left and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't keep putting myself last and compassion yeah. fatigue and all this other stuff, you know, my marriage ended up breaking down because of it, you know, but yeah, you have to, you really do have to make, if you're going to be looking after people, you have to also look after yourself. You know, what, um, as a, I did an interview with the doctor the other day and he said, put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Be and selfish. Then, be selfish. Yeah, but we're so taught against being selfish. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not it's not okay to be a bit selfish. No, it is. You have to because at the end of the day, you're going to, to bed with yourself. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you've got to you look know, Yeah. If we don't if we don't get up and go for our walk, can you still hear me? Is this still on? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay. Sometimes it just turns off. <laughs> no. uh, um, if if we don't go for the walk, how are we meant to run with our kids? Like, you yep. know, if we don't have kids, how are you meant to walk your dog if you can't go for a walk by yourself? Yep. Um, I think it's really, it, it's just so important because it's like, I think about it as like a, a love triangle in ourselves is that you have your work every, no matter what we do, because of many, many things in life, we're going to be working until we're old, regardless mm. of how wealthy you are. There's still some sort of work. We have relationships and then we have our health. They're the three main things that I see in life. And I mm. use them in any time I talk to someone about coaching. And so if you let one grow too big, it takes from the other one. So you, sometimes we'll let two grow real big. And there's this one that gets everything sucked from it. And the one that we let shrink first is always health. And it's funny because it should be the one that never shrinks is our mm. health. Like we should never put that on the, on the line for any reason, because we don't know what genetic disposition we have to certain diseases. Um, we don't know how long we have until, you know, like look at COVID if we're mm. all a little bit healthier, maybe it would be a little bit more resilient sort of thing. Like there's, there's mm. things like that. Um, and the last thing, the thing I fear the most is, is, as myself, because physically what one of the things I hold myself to as, um, a trait that empowers me is that being a 60 year old granddad or dad and not being able to play with my grandkids or mm. not be able to play with my kids dogs if they decide not to have grandkids and things like that it's 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 being that geriatric that you typically see on a walker when you have the someone 10 years older deadlifting in the gym yeah. like we got dr kev he's 72 or 73 and he dead deadlifts 150 kilos with me like it's it's amazing like That's awesome and then you yeah, and then you've got people that are 48 years old and, and they can't even get out of a chair without pulling onto the, the side of the seat or something. So, 
we should never bank that health bubble. It should be work should be always the one that first goes. It's, it's all mindset. It's, it's all, I feel like life is a mindset game, you know, if you, yeah. yeah, like it's kind of like learn to deal with your shit. Like you're, we all, we're all emotional human beings, men included, although some of, some men don't really know how to express themselves properly. <laughs> but um, yeah, human emotion is meant to be expressed in a healthy way. And then, and then obviously from that comes your health and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's a massive important – I don't know why health is put last. Why do we put our health last? I just I don't really understand it's, it. It's like marketing, I guess, is the thing. You think about like – perfect example is how you buy furniture now. You buy that IKEA kitchen table that's 450 bucks. I remember growing up as kids, we'd never get a kitchen table more that, that would be less than like $1,500. And mm-hmm. that kitchen table would be your table for your whole existence, right? Yep. It doesn't matter where you move. That We had a big square table that eight people sat at because there was five in our family we always had friends over. No matter where we moved or how we rearranged the house, that table always existed. I've lived in a, the house we're in now for about eight years. We've had three different kitchen tables because they just break because yeah. we buy the cheap kitchen table that the screws come loose on. But it's that short-term like neglect or that short-term oversight, but we're okay with it because it's just $600 three years later. But mm. after 30 years of $600 every three years, it's, it's, it's a lot of money, right? Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with our health. It's like we eat that – don't get me wrong. I love burgers. I love pizza. I drink beer. I go, out and, I go out and get really, really drunk with the gym and really, really drunk with my friends. But it's just not every day because if it was every day, it, it's just throwing my health away. Mm. But it's also the little micro choice to make every day. It's like, if you like soft drink, that's great. Find an alternative that has less sugar or drink it less frequently. But if we're like, oh, it's all right, I'll exercise next week, but they never start the exercise or they never drink the water to follow it up because it's, you don't drink the Coke and instantly your teeth decay or instantly we put on weight. So therefore there's no consequence. Mm. And you hear everyone talk about tomorrow's problem or tom- that's tomorrow Trent's problem. And I used to do that. Like, oh, tomorrow Trent will sleep, YOLO, all those stupid <laughs> sayings. And then what happens is there's a year of YOLOs and we've put on 20 kilos and we're real sad. And then we're in this state where we have no energy to, to, to make the change or we try to make the change, but the same problem happens is because you curl a weight, you don't get a bicep instantly it stops us. We start stop all the time because we don't see consistently changes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just an interesting one where finances and family, you see immediate change. You mean to your partner, they mean back to you. You mean to your kids, they mean back to you. It, you spend a thousand dollars on gambling. You don't have a thousand dollars. It's like the immediate um, gratification, you know, or instant gratification, which is kind of like, it's a, it's a childish sort of thing. If you think about it, because that's what kids do. They're like, I want now, I want now, instead of like putting in the work of, you know, being responsible and doing all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask, hmm, I had a question and I forgot. So, yeah, around support. So, obviously, you went to Tuong Private and you, you had your family around you. Did you, did you, and you took medication, did you try any other support systems? Okay, so um, when, when I was in... Uh, me and my dad have always done some sort of exercise together. Like when I was a kid, we went to the gym just to go there, like before the gym started and going early. Uh, we used to do Kung Fu together incrementally uh, when I was in high school. And then when I was like 19 and we haven't done that for a while. So when I was in um, hospital, we went and looked at uh, an old martial, a martial arts facility uh, at Brendale. Um, and 
like I'm not I'm not like a fanatic about my martial art training, but I know it's just always gave me some focus and direction. And the martial art I chose is Wing Chun. And the reason I chose that is the lineage of it starts from a female. And like I could do a martial arts that depends on my brute force, but it doesn't teach me anything. It just teaches me to depend on its strength where martial art like Wing Chun is about your footwork and it's moving out of the way and not opposing force and, and, and things like that. And we went there and it happened to be the Sifus that are now my Sifus, um, which means teacher um uh were students when i was 15 at the martial arts school so it was a really nice connection so we started when i got out to one private i started doing martial arts um which is really good for your breathing it's like an active meditation mm. a hand-eye coordinate coordination because at the time medication did affect that as well like it, it affected my my cognitive feedback um and then as well, then my sister, we sort of, she always, we always had a pretty good relationship for a lot of the time. Um, we started doing yoga together. Um, we did that for about six months before I started uni. Um, and then I had acupuncture, which helped me with pain and stress. Um, and then um, the gym was sort of self-driven, but that was much, much later on. Mm. Um, Dr. Varghese. So when I left Tuong Private, I saw my psychiatrist weekly for an hour. Um, after about six, three to six months, went down to fortnightly for half an hour and then went down to monthly for about half an hour. Now, the way I use him, he is my my brain coach sort of mm. thing. And a big part of it is because it, it makes me be accountable and responsible for my thought process and what I'm going to present and how things are going. So the frequency I see him, if I'm good, will forever, I made a decision, be 15 minutes every three months because yeah. it's just like I'm sitting down with a person that knows my entire history and I'm unloading, recapping. He goes, how are you today? I'm like, I'm really good or I'm bad or like this has happened. And sometimes you get these sparks. If it gets worse, we increase the length of the session and we increase how, how frequent we see him. So it's just like training. Like, you know, you, you, go, you start training, you probably train more and need more attention. And as training goes on, you can be a little bit more autopilot and then you upskill and, and mm. you go through those increments. So they were all sort of the pillars that I needed. So I had the brain had the breath work, had the physical response, and it had the independence as well because independence is a big thing for me. Uh, no one really can tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> I, know so, that. I know that feeling very well. <laughs> so if people try to tell me what to do, um, if I don't perceive them to offer value or be of more intelligence, uh, it quickly turns into conflict, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> for them. At least so, you know that about yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's um, really important or or maybe even underestimated how much you really need to have a holistic way of looking after yourself you know it can't just be all medical model I think meditation for myself is massive I, I also journal heaps so I'm like like I even wrote a book about being an overthinker but it's just yeah. being you know like it's just you know learning how to work with your brain so do you do, you do any like journaling or like do, I call it brain um, dumping I actually do. This here it is. See that? A ah, place for my head. That's um, awesome. So I have journaled on off since I was a kid. Um, mm. So usually, and and what I try to do now with my journaling is is slightly different. So um, when I was a kid, I journal my problems, of mm. journal um, issues, but I'd always go back and read it, and that's the problem. Like going yeah. back and reading these bad things. So now what I try to do is I try to do a narrative. Um, I do tend to 
stop journaling. And then if things start to decline, I'll start journaling again because it's me being aware of it. But I try to journal positive things. I don't know, mm. Have you ever heard of the Resilience Project? Yeah, yep, yep. Yes, they're, they're coming to Brisbane soon, I think. Mm-hmm. Well. So I try to do more about that, like journaling about like the positives through the day, good things that happen. Because if you focus on the good things, if we like everyone always talks about, you know, focus on your weakness, you'll get better. No, focus on your strengths, so you're yeah. stronger. And just have your, your weaknesses, be aware of them. And you can put work into them. But, but you know, if you're a really good runner and an average swimmer, don't go put all your time in swimming so you lose your running. Because yeah. then you're losing something you're good at and you're upskilling something that's probably going to plateau. So um, I do journal. Uh, journaling is great. I, and I do do meditation as well. So I use mm. uh, Calm, I think it is. or yep. And I've used Headspace. Uh, and we used to have an in-house. Uh, I don't know if you know Burr. Um, she's from Carmelie Events. Yeah, so she used to be here. Uh, we used to have um, meditation once a week um, for the gym, but she moved to Gold Coast. And, oh, and it, I was going to say, can also, you start like, it up? Because I'll come. <laughs> yeah, well, people didn't. We used to say so what it was. It was free for members once a week, um, but people just didn't take us up on it. So we couldn't oh. have her here uh, using it. Um, and it's the same thing. We used to have yoga in-house as well. It just, mm. It's because there's so many facets to people's life. It's just, yeah. it was just a little bit too much for them. So, mm. but we do do events like our first Christmas party. We went all went to the beach and we did a beach workout and then we did breath work on the beach with Burr. So she does come do things. So uh, mm. we do charity events where she comes, we had a, um, hopefully if no more COVID happens, we're doing this year, we had a, a, a night of balance, we called it. And it was, to, uh, we raised, I think it was just under six grand or just for Beyond Blue. Oh, wow. um, and we had 65 people come. We sold tickets. We did a workout, ate some food, and then we did a breath work session at the end. And it was really good. Mm. So they're, they're definitely tools. I think the biggest thing with like meditation and journaling and things is, is understanding the steps for people. So I think, I get people to start with a positive affirmation if journaling's too hard because some people yep. it's too much work. So I'm just like, mm. when you look yourself in the mirror in the morning, just tell yourself you're awesome. They're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, just try it. Just say, just once, just say, we start with one, just wake up, brush your teeth. Even if you want to say in your head, just go, you're awesome. Yep. And, and it's a start because it's, we've all got to start small to get big. Mm. Um, but it's also the consistency of those habits or making sure we have those habits in place. But yeah, journaling, oh. breath work, meditation, awesome. So yep. good. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I've yeah, um, been around for thousands of years, yeah, right? Like, I know, right? Yeah. It's, they're there for a reason. They because they help people. <laughs> um, well, it's even. Yeah. Sorry, okay. no, no. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, no. I'm like. So, um, there's that. There's um, like all of the modalities of religion. Um, mm. I don't know if people are aware of it. They all have a breath cycle for their prayers and it's consistent across all prayers. Um, there's, there's a, a, a guy that did a study. It's oxygen advantage. I think it's called, but um, so it's 6.5 breath cycles a minute or, or, or thereabouts. Mm. And it, Hail Mary has it, the, the Buddhist, the, but it's consistent across all these religions is the way you say it is the same breath work so what people don't even realize is when they go to church on sunday and they do their three prayers they're actively engaging in meditation meditation they yeah. Know, yeah they don't even know it yeah. how good that's awesome I'm, I'm i also wanted to touch on the strength thing like i'm a massive believer in focusing on what you're good at and not focusing on what you're bad at like my daughter she's like mom i'm so bad at math and all this sort of stuff and i said who cares like what are you good at what are you good at? Focus, yeah, that's right. Focus on that. Like, you know, like trying to actively get her to, um, you know, be me being a, a role model to her, like, and saying, you know, no one's perfect. 
everyone experiences tough times and, you know, stop focusing on what you're not good at and focus it on what you are good at. And then, yeah, obviously, I don't know. I, just, I can't stand negative mind frames. They just really bloody annoy me. <laughs> but I get it. We all yeah, go through that stuff. And it's people's agenda. Um, I don't think anyone's, I don't think, I don't think most people are malicious in their intent. No. Of, of like the, the guiding and things like that. It's like the, the focus on your weakness to strength thing. Mm. Um, it's just someone said it once and someone liked that one person and then it's mm. just like branched out. And, and for some people that might be great. It it's might be some people that's really effective. Mm. Um, but it's also for me, it sounds like a very corporate, very office worker, very um, work in a box factory sort of yep. wine because it's like, you know, if you're not boxing these boxes fast, but you can cut them, box faster. Like it's, yeah. and that's the problem, I guess, with education still. It's still set up for the most of schools is to facilitate kids going to work in a factory because that mm. was pretty much the only job that existed post World War II. And that's what the school system's based, and that's what America's school system's based after. Yeah. Um, well, my daughter goes to the Steiner School out at Sanford, and they're all. About- oh, that's awesome. So good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, I've, I've fought tooth and nail to get her out there because um, I'm a big believer in in their, their system and, and how they educate kids and they educate them to think for themselves and um, to be creative and, you know, the Steiner whole thing. schools out, outperform academically conventional schools anyway, so it's a win-win. Yeah. Oh. We looked at Steiner School for Maddie, our youngest, because Maddie is – uh, she loves science, but she's art and physicality. Like she's a little mm. athlete. Um, and that just doesn't really fit. Well, what's always cut first? Music, art. What are things you have to pay extra for? Music, art, sports. Mm. Like they're not inclusive because they're mm. not deemed to be. But then we idolize athletes and idolize artists. It's just a weird concept. But my, mm. my eldest daughter is super academic, like can read an, a book fast. Like she'll carry around a book and just like walk into polls. Um, <laughs> so they wanted to stay together. So Maddie didn't want to look at the Steiner thing unless Mm. Willow wanted to look at the Steiner thing so Maddie's content now she's got some good friends and we just tell her that you don't have to be this person be be yourself yeah you know that's the thing it's like you go through high school thinking you have to know your job and work hard but just choose the subjects I chose all the subjects I didn't want to do because I thought I had to choose them yeah when I could have just chosen HP cooking yeah art all these things and then if I wanted to go to uni, I'd spend a year at TAFE afterwards and go to uni anyway. It's mm. the, it's just such a new concept. Yeah, 100% agree. It's like just try My nephew is um, 17. He moved out of home at 16, um, just like myself. And um, and he's like, you know, Aunty Christy, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I said, just try. Try something, anything. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. but, don't, but don't be scared to fail. Don't be scared to yeah, fail. Yeah, suck at things. Yeah, yeah. suck at things because that's how you bloody learn. Like, you know, I, I suck at dancing at... and I try all the time. Yeah, but I, I suck at dancing too, but I don't give a shit. I, I dance around the um, the island bench that I have here. And, and the funny thing is, is Ava, she, she looks at me funny when I'm dancing and singing. And, and she's like, that looks weird, Mum. I said, because you spent so many years seeing me so miserable and you think that that, me being happy and dancing around and sucking at dancing is weird. And I'm like, oh, God, what have I got to undo? <laughs> yeah. Take her out. Take her out dancing. Then she yep. can really get in it. Big time. Um, I just wanted to ask also, biggest growth or life lesson that you've experienced from, like, all of it, really? 
Um, I think it goes back uh, to the three pillar part yeah. is, is, is probably the biggest lesson um, that I've had consistently and still presents yeah. itself to me and still have to be reminded about it is that, is that I've got a family and, and a friends and that obviously each one of these trickle down and break down a little bit. I've got health, mm. which is mind, body, soul sort of thing. And then yeah. I've got work and, and work is what makes the money, what I want to do, all those things, the facets. And what I have to make sure they do is that they live in equilibrium together. Mm. Um, but if I have to sacrifice one, I have to sacrifice the work. Mm. We can always eat less nice food. We can always drink less nice wine, mm. but I can't redo my family. I can, but it's, it's going to be harder, right? And then I'll never learn. I'll keep doing the habit. I, and I can't redo my, my health. Mm. I, I can't undie. I can't commit suicide. I can't, I can't, uh, th- th- that doesn't happen. Like mm. I've got scars on my arms and my shoulders from, from, from bad times as reminders. Mm. So originally I've got the, the tattoos and I was originally never going to have this one's five years not finished still but I was never going to have two sleeves but at the time I didn't want to have scars visible all over my arms and my shoulders so I got the second sleeve um, which really was great because also I love superheroes and it's covered in superheroes (laughs) but uh, it's it's something that I can't undo but also it's a good reminder for me to see occasionally so um, health and family need to be the biggest two and if anyone's going to suffer I can live in a van and we'll be okay Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, I can go live with my parents and we'll be okay. So if, if it comes down to it, if it comes down mm-hmm. to sacrificing friendship for work or family for work or love for work, it's just not worth it because you look at all the stories and, and I think these are the only time that I think um, inspiration, I, see, I like inspiration, but I don't like it being used as motivation mm-hmm. because motivation is like um, fleeting, like yeah. uh, to, to have to have to have a trigger is fleeting. But we look at all like the stories of like, um, you know, like Abraham Lincoln, he was mm. hated and thought to be a joke. Um, honest Abe, like he gave up the first time he ran for office, he gave it up because he didn't want someone that was bad to beat him. But there was a guy that similar beliefs he want, he could give his votes to. Colonel Sanders, the 70 year old guy that had nothing his whole life and failed a million times. Like we can always succeed later, but we mm. can't get back these other things later. We can't get back our heart attacks. We can't get back our scars. I 100% agree with that. It's yeah. You can't, yeah, you're never going to, I, um, the other day I saw on LinkedIn, this gentleman who works for HSBC and he'd had a massive heart attack. Now I work for a cardiac research company and I was reading his story of what he was saying. And he said, you know, never kill yourself for work. He goes, I just had a heart attack for, for, for my job basically. And he, and he literally what you just said about the relationships and yeah. And they'll replace us the next day. Yep. Especially if we're employed, we'll be with the next day. You have a hard take gone. There's going to be a young executive to take the job <laughs> at a cheaper price. It's, it's yep. a win for them. Like it's, it's fresh eyes, fresh ears. They don't care. No. It's and, and, and it's, it's not their job to care as a business, no. as a person. No. Yes. But it, it, that's the reality of it. You know, mm. they need to make more profit. They're going to fire someone. It's this, yep. you're expendable. Don't be expendable at your own expense. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, right. So your favourite uh, healing modality or form of self-care? Uh, the, 
with lifting weights. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, li- li- lifting weights for, for me and, and my style of like the, the weights I enjoy is hypertrophy training. So that's mm-hmm. the Arnie get the pump on because uh, for me it gives a direct stimulus. Um, I, 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 a lot of people don't like training the way I do because it's it's very fatiguing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that works. And that's, I think, really important to understand like what works for one person doesn't work for. And that's why like we have so much variable training in the gym because it yeah. suits everyone's different ability and capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's why we make so many variances so everyone can get their form of training in a facility in a little group. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, li- lifting weights is my, if, if I would, if they're like, you're on a desert island and you can have your one modality, I'll be like, can I get a bar, a bench and a rack, please? Thank you. <laughs> so I agree. It's definitely, um saved my mental health coming in yeah i love it i think weights is just strength training is just so i don't know well even the cardiologists they they um spruik it you know it encourages resilience as well like Mm. if you struggle if you go into a gym and you can only bench press let's say 20 kilos and then you go on the next time in eight weeks and you test you get 22.5 and then you go next time and you fail at 25 but then you overcome it the next time is teaching you that be persistent before through your pursuit and you're going to get changes. It's just changes aren't, you, you have to earn them and you have to work mm. through them, but you add that resilience to physicality. Our body doesn't differentiate between stresses. So our body doesn't tell the difference between a mental stress and the physical stress. The heart sees it the same way. Yeah. So if we sit in the mental stress all the time, that's why our, we get all those problems, as you would know, because our body's stimulants and hormone release is the same. Mm. But if we can make that we overcome resilience, we get that dopamine release, we get those endorphins rush through mm. and you have that, you go home and go, Oi, guess what I did today, kids? lifted yeah. a quarter of a ton or like you know like it's it's pretty exciting and it, it's 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 achievement it's satisfying and you can see the differences mm. i often say that when i pick up my daughter after she's been at her dad's and i'm like look mommy's muscles they're getting bigger and i said see what happens when you keep doing it like consistently you know like it's so, so good, good. <laughs> um favorite inspirational quote do you have one uh I've got, I don't know if you can see, there's a tattoo on my arm here. It's in Spanish, so it's pretty hard yep. to see. It's not so much inspirational. It's more of like, especially at the time. So the tattoo on my right arm is like for my first child. Like I got it when she was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in Spanish. My wife's from Argentina, so she speaks Spanish. My kids don't. It's on my bucket list for this year to get yeah. back into. Um, but it's a, it's a Martin Luther King Jr. saying, um, and it's he who doesn't have something to live for doesn't deserve to live. So for me, it's my interpretation for and of that is that live with purpose, not just live. So for mm-hmm. me, my purpose is I say it all so I'm here to help because that is a big purpose calling for me is to help. So at the moment, my help is to help people understand mental health more and understand people's support people through mental health, mm. but also to try to try to, and, and it's like a, it's a big thing, try to help people or help specifically, I guess, in Australia, men be mm. themselves, I guess, not be who they perceive to be, be the nerds, be the jocks, be both, be what you need to be um, and talk about it. So yeah. Yeah, so he who doesn't have something to live for doesn't deserve to live. Doesn't mean we're going to like chop you up, but no. it's just like it's just like something to live by. I agree. In living your life on purpose and with purpose gives you purpose. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. Um, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self today? 
Well, maybe even that Trent, the Trent before, like, he burnt out. <laughs> I got, um, so when I, I interviewed one of my friends um, about what it was like being my friend through all these things, it was very interesting. And he's actually mm. a psychologist. And he asked me this question. And, it, <laughs> and, I, um, and I would have said to do more for yourself and mm. not worry about the destination. And he followed up with, would have you listened to it? I'm like, no. Okay, and that's that's the biggest problem. I wouldn't listen mm. to anyone giving. I'd probably if a me came from the future, I'd be like, this this isn't legit. Go away. Like it's because for me, I think what I have to experience things and I have to adapt to them myself. Mm. But the advice I would give it's it would be to not you know not focus on that thirty. Focus on now mm. is probably the biggest one. So have your destinations and have your goals, but remember you've got to walk that path. So if you're yep. only looking up and only looking at that destination, it means you don't know what you're walking through or what you're walking mm. into because it could be like lava at the bottom of that hill and you've just gone straight into it. So, but that's, yeah. Would, would I listen? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it is a journey. It is a journey. I say that to my daughter all the time. I'm like, you know, it's, it's a journey. Life is a journey. You're going to fall down. Fall down once, get back up twice, you know, or whatever that bloody saying is. <laughs> um. What about your favourite food or music right now? Uh, favourite food will always forever be pizza. Yeah, um, pizza. It's like I always ask people like their death row meal. Like even though I'm vegan, my death row meal would be a double pepperoni olive pizza on a, like a big, because like I'm dying, mm. it doesn't matter anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but, but, but for now it's, uh, it's, it's like a, a wood-fired um, margarita pizza with just a little bit of basil on it. Perfect. Um, favorite what was that favorite music? Music, yeah. Do you listen to music? Do you like? Do, you, do I listen? You, I, yeah. I listen to a lot of music. Um, I'm a sort of person like I listen to new and, and different variants. I get like songs stuck with me, um, but like I always go back to like my late teen sort of punk rocky Lincoln Parky music because it just vibes me really well. Like Lincoln Park was a big band for me growing up. Mm. Um, who unfortunately the lead singer Chester did uh, commit suicide probably about yeah, three years ago, which was a, right. a big one because you go through the songs that really connect with you and you could see and hear more the pain that he was going through when he sung these songs. Um, but yeah, so Lincoln Parks, I got, I was fortunate enough when Barbara was pregnant with Willow, Barbara took me to see. So Willow got to be at a Lincoln Park concert, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I listened to a playlist a lot, which is called Clinic Beats, which um, Azadine who works here, she makes and adds songs to, which is nice because it's music I wouldn't particularly usually listen to. And it's very different. It's a little bit indie sort of triple J sort of music. Oh. But um, but I have a, a wide collection of music that I like. So I would have on a playlist something from Tupac uh, to Linkin Park to like some weird love R&B song. So it's pretty much like I'm super just what vibes i don't i don't i'm mm. not good with words and names so i don't remember bands so people will say band names like oh what's that and they'll play it and it's like, i love this song yeah but um it's just what brings me feelings that i need yep. at that time i guess so yeah i'm a big believer just, in changing or changing it changing it up based on your mood i'm the same yeah yeah. yeah, sometimes the gym does have the army guys and us powerlifting or lifting weights to Adele. So it's just, <laughs> you know, if I'm in a bad, sad place, my bakers used to put on Taylor Swift. They had a playlist of Taylor Swift when I was grumpy because it just made me happy. It's just upbeat and going. So yeah, if you think about it, when um singers like Chester and all that, they 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 wear their hearts on their sleeves. They're pouring all of their sadness or their their happiness or whatever out into words and I think it's pretty beautiful to be able to um, listen to people pouring their hearts out 
Yeah, this serving is a big service though, and it's and it's an unfortunate one because we lose so many great people to mm. not seeing that. Like like mm. um, yeah, it's it's hard, but it's it um hard. rewarding that they can do that for us. That that we can have and that's timeless. That's going to be there forever. Mm. My kids know the songs when they come on, and they know the songs that they're not allowed to talk to me during because I want to listen to that song even if it's the hundredth time. It's <laughs> cool. Um. Okay, well, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed, I've actually wanted to, I've not listened to your podcast on purpose so that I could hear straight from you what was, what was, what was up. So thank you so much, like, um, for Absolute sharing. Absolute pleasure. And, Anytime. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so thank you.